This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, very happy to have you. We got to start with this little bit of audio. Everything is in context. My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes and she would say to us, I don't know what's wrong with you young people. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? (laughs) You exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. Really? Well, you know, Kamala, you do too. You exist in the context of everything that came before you. If you went to the White House website of William Jefferson Clinton, I believe that is the first White House website. You would have seen notations on the Clinton administration. Had you gone to the whitehouse.gov website of George W. Bush, you would have seen references to the Bush administration. Had you gone to whitehouse.gov when Obama and Biden were there, it would have talked about the Obama administration and then the Trump administration for the first time in American history. If you go now to whitehouse.gov, it references the Biden-Harris administration. Joe Biden is the first president to elevate the vice president to equal billing on the White House website. It's not the Biden administration. It's not the Biden White House. It's the Biden-Harris White House and the Biden-Harris administration. They've got to have come to regret that because Kamala Harris went to the meeting on the debt ceiling disguised as an empty chair. If you were to look at the pictures the meeting at the White House between Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and Akeem Jeffries and Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden, there was no, there was a chair for Kamala Harris and either she was invisible or dressed in the same clothes as the chair was was, was covered in, the same fabric where she wasn't there. The odds are she wasn't invisible and she wasn't camouflaged as the chair. She just wasn't there. The Biden-Harris administration left Kamala Harris out of the room. 
there was a quote in the New York Times yesterday. Let me read this for you. This is from the New York Times. This is a story about how uh, the the Biden folks are a little jittery. They thought they could cruise to re- they could help Donald Trump become the Republican nominee and then win re-election because of Trump. This is a quote. Joe Biden is asking the country to elect a candidate who will be 82 years old, who has clearly lost a step, running with the vice president, whom almost no one in either party thinks is ready for prime time. Yes. Joe Biden thinks that Kamala Harris is so ready for primetime, he didn't even have her in on the meetings about the debt ceiling. He sends her off south of the border, never to be seen or heard from again. She gives stupid little speeches about time and the essence of time and and the quality of time and, and being in the flow of time and in the proper context of time and the here and now. She seems obsessed with time. Now is not her time. I continue to be struck by the New York Times story detailing the problems with Kamala Harris, where the Harris team said to the New York Times, hey, here's a list of people who will comment favorably about the vice president. And the New York Times reports none of them did. All the people Harris said would be on the And, you know, the, here's the galling thing for Kamala Harris team is they've got to know who these people are. The New York Times did not name them. They said that they wanted to be on background. They did not want their names attached. Kamala Harris's team literally gave a list of people and said, go talk to these people. And they went to those people. And those people said, we don't want to be on the record. We think she sucks. Yeah, I mean, they got to know who it is because they gave the New York Times the list. That's pretty bad. It's also pretty par for the course. Kamala Harris is in over her head. She never made it to Iowa. She never made it to Iowa. She was obsessed with the Twitter conversation. Now, there's a lesson here for the Republicans running in 2024. Do not be obsessed with the Twitter conversations. Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris both blew up their presidential aspirations. I mean, they were never going to win in anyway. But Kamala Harris could have made it to Iowa. She dropped out before Iowa. That's how bad she was. Because she was obsessed with winning the daily fight on Twitter. You know, Twitter's not reality. Tucker Carlson, I don't know if you've heard, you probably have. Tucker Carlson has announced he's going to relaunch his television program on Twitter. There are only about three or four million active Twitter users. We were like, oh my gosh, his video's got a million views. Yeah, how many of them were Carlson fans? How many of them were curious? How many of them is it relevant to? I mean, Tucker Carlson, yeah, got more views on Twitter on a short clip than on Fox, but a a long-form, hour-long program, 30-minute program, who's going to watch Twitter clips on their phone? Twitter's going to need to figure this out. Twitter's going to need to roll out a video app, particularly one that can make it onto TVs, people's TVs, because senior citizens who are the dominant viewers of Fox, who were the dominant viewers of Tucker Carlson's program, they're not on their smartphones watching Twitter videos. 
and winning on Twitter is not reality. I find this in my own life. Uh, I was actually having a conversation this morning with a friend about people. He's a a um, friend who, well, in his line of work, a lot of young men get very worked up on conversations they see and hear about on Twitter. And he very often has to stay on top of them just so he knows what the incoming fire is going to be, but also remind them that Twitter is not real life. Twitter sometimes can galvanize conversations offline, but Twitter is not real life. If Twitter was real life, Michelle Obama's hashtag diplomacy would have rescued those girls kidnapped by Boko Haram. But it didn't work. Twitter's not real life. Kamala Harris was so invested in the idea that she needed to dominate the Twitter conversation every day and she needed to focus on whatever was buzzing on Twitter She lost. She never even made it to Iowa. That's how terrible of a candidate she was. She has a massive staff turnover. Every few months, she's in and out of staff. Joe Biden is now on his second chief of staff as president of the United States. Now, one day, if you ever get the opportunity, Democrat or Republican, doesn't matter. If you're ever invited to hear a conversation with a former chief of staff of the White House, you should do it. Because the chiefs of staff of presidents of the United States are probably in the position most prone to burnout of anyone in America. They are the blocker, tackler, uh, run interference for, um, the, the, the chief line of communication with the most powerful person on the planet of the earth. They burn out. Most White Houses roll through three, four chiefs of staff in in. A in, in a term, or at least in, in two terms for sure. I mean, look at Donald Trump. Donald Trump ran through his chiefs of staff pretty quickly. Um, you had John Kelly in there. Who else do you have in there? Uh, you had Mick Mulvaney in there. You had Mark Meadows in there. A couple others in there. Burned out pretty quick. Can wear you out. Joe Biden has only had, now he's on a second chief of staff. Kamala Harris is on like third or fourth. We're not even... Four years into this administration, her staff turnover is very high. She doesn't do the work. Behind the scenes, they whisper about her. She doesn't do the work. She complains. She bellyaches. She doesn't do the homework. She gets mad at the staff when she comes off as unprepared, but they try to prepare her. She doesn't want to do the work to be prepared. This is the way it was when she was in the Senate. This is the way it was when she was in the Attorney General's office in California. They all had this complaint. She had high staff turnover over in all of this, and now Joe Biden says he's going to run for president of the United States a second time with Kamala Harris by his side, and no one thinks she's ready for the job. He will be 82 years old. And again, as I mentioned in the first hour, more than 65% of Americans say Joe Biden is too old to be reelected president of the United States. More than 50% of Americans believe Joe Biden does not have the mental faculty at this point to be president of the United States. Only 32% of Americans think Joe Biden possesses a sound mind to be president of the United States. More people think Donald Trump does. And she's in the wings waiting. A woman the Biden administration has done their best to marginalize and push to the sidelines 
so that she's not exposed. They built an entire administration around her, the Biden-Harris administration. At the beginning of this administration, they put her front and center, and she screwed up everything she touched. They finally had to send her out of the country and to do stupid speeches. You know, there's that, that HBO series Veep. Veep is very funny. A lot of people look at the West Wing and they think, oh, the West Wing is an accurate reflection of Washington. No, Veep is. Veep is a dark comedy on HBO. Selena Myers is the vice president of the United States, and she is a blithering idiot. And the people around her are aggressively ambitious idiots. And the people who want her job are idiots. Everything is a punchline. And that actually is more like Kamala Harris than anything else. I'm sure Kamala Harris is a very nice person who you could hang out with and you could have a pleasant conversation with, but she's also an overly ambitious dimwit who is high maintenance, who has a staffing problem, who when this president of the United States gathered congressional leaders to literally talk about a national potential crisis a hitting the debt ceiling, going off the fiscal cliff, Thelman Louise style. They never bothered having her in the room. But also, they never bothered moving her chair out of the room. They left it empty. It's just an empty chair. Where either a chief of staff or a vice president should sit. And she wasn't there. The border crisis continues to grow. The Biden administration, the folks in the Biden administration say, well, we're talking to the vice president, but they're not trotting her out. They've got Mayorkas out. It doesn't sound like they're fully invested in Kamala Harris. The optics of leaving that chair empty, pretty damning for Kamala Harris. But it goes back to the quote in the New York Times. Joe Biden is asking the country to elect a candidate who will be 82 years old, who has clearly lost a step, running with the vice president, whom almost no one in either party thinks is ready for prime time. Kamala Harris is never going to be ready for prime time. And now, Deep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. As I kind of expected to happen, uh, Gavin Newsom has decided not to endorse the idea of cash payments for reparations. They would be as high as $1.2 million for a single recipient, uh, according to a reparations task force for the state of California. Uh, Newsom released a statement saying, quote, the reparations task force's independent findings and recommendations are a milestone in our bipartisan effort to advance justice and promote healing 
This has been an important process, and we should continue to work as a nation to reconcile our original sin of slavery and understand how that history has shaped our country. But he's not going to go along per se with it. He says dealing with that legacy is about much more than cash payments. Many of the recommendations put forward by the task force are critical action items we've already been hard at work addressing, breaking down barriers to vote, bolstering resources to address hate, enacting sweeping law enforcement and justice reforms to build trust and safety, strengthening economic mobility, all while investing billions to root out disparities and improve equity in housing, education, healthcare, and well beyond. That work must continue. (laughs) He's not going to go along with cash payments, folks. He can't afford to go along with the cash payments. They don't have the money for cash payments. It really is funny how the left is rapidly moving towards the idea of financial reparations for slavery so they can wash their hands of it. They they have woven this entire mythology around the 1619 Project about how America was founded in racism and the preservation of slavery, which isn't true. And now that they've moved on to cash payments and you're not going to get it. What's so hilarious here is you can see the trains are on the same track heading towards each other. The white allies and the activists on the left, they are headed towards each other in fast moving trains. They are going to collide on this issue of cash reparations. And it is going to be hilarious to watch them tear each other to pieces because you can't keep promising people these sorts of reparations and then saying, oh, our bad. We ran the numbers. We can't afford to do it. We're systemically racist, and that's part of it. It's not going to work well for any of them. And then the race baiters all keep getting money and no one else does. It's going to be funny to watch. What's not funny to watch is your portfolio in these topsy-turvy times with inflation, geopolitical turmoil, the stock market nonsense, God knows what the Fed's going to do next. You might want to turn to Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566 is their number. Thousands of retirees are safeguarding their retirement with physical precious metals like gold and silver inside their IRAs, their 401ks, or their general investment portfolio. They might be able to help you. Go to Advantage Gold, their TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company, seven years in a row now. They got the best prices, great staff. They've got a great IRA department. They can give you a free gold IRA investment kit to teach you how to navigate the rules the IRS puts in place, which are kind of just these aggravating rules on how you have to account for the precious metals in your portfolio. 800-450-2566. That's Advantage Gold's number. Tell them I sent you. Get the free gold IRA investment kit from them. What I like about them is they're just very straight. They, they, they're not gimmicky. They're not going to harass you. They just want to answer your questions, set you straight, and they think you'll do business with them because they're not gimmicky. 800-450-2566. 800-450-2566. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. We will get to Mayorkas, I promise, but I got to dive back into this debt ceiling stuff more specifically. I want to talk to you about silver bullets. You know what the silver bullet does. The silver bullet kills the werewolf. It's the one thing, the silver bullet, it's the one thing that kills the werewolf. There are a couple of things that, that will kill the vampire, the, the the wooden stake to the heart, not the metal stake, but the wooden stake to the heart, uh, sunlight, 
garlic and crosses keep them away. If they touch the, the cross, they burn. But it's really, um, it, it, it's the, the wooden stake to the heart. It's like with the werewolf, the silver bullet. And everybody seeks a silver bullet. Everybody wants that one thing. I think all of us have that in us to try to find that one thing that uh, solves all the world's problems, that cures everything we're going through. We just, we, we need that one thing. We need that silver bullet. And it spills over into our politics as well. We, we want that one thing. I mean, just, just let, let's go back to, I mean, go back to Bill Clinton. Well, I mean, go back to Reagan. The, the, the Democrats really thought that Iran-Contra would wipe out Reagan. It was the one thing that would just take out Ronald Reagan. When George H.W. Bush was president of the United States, some conspiracy theorist from the left concocted the, the implausible idea that Ronald Reagan had negotiated with the Iranians to release the hostages from Iran from the 1980 hostage crisis and that uh, Ronald Reagan had George H.W. Bush fly in an SR-71 Blackbird, the fastest plane ever made, to Spain to negotiate with the Iranians and get back in time for a debate. So it was like he was never gone. The SR-71 Blackbird could fly across the Atlantic in an hour, two hours to get to Spain. It's very, very fast. I mean, the SR-71 Blackbird can go from Los Angeles to New York and I think the fastest time ever was like uh, an hour, 59 minutes, something like that. It's crazy fast. And they posited that because George H.W. Bush was the vice president of the United, would-be vice president, was had been a CIA director. He was unelected at the time, but had all these connections that somehow he was able to convince someone in the Carter administration's Department of Defense to put him in an SR-71 Blackbird, shoot over to Spain, negotiate a delay in the release of hostages until Reagan was president, turn around, make it back for debate. No one would ever know he was gone. The Democrats in Congress wound up holding hearings on the theory, and it was bunk. wasn't true. When Bill Clinton becomes president, Republicans seize on Watergate. Watergate is going to take him down, and then it was Monica Lewinsky, and it was always, we were going to find the silver bullet. Democrats try to do the same thing with George W. Bush. Republicans did the same thing with Obama. The one silver bullet kill Obamacare. The one silver bullet take out Obama. Silver bullets are mythological. Along the way comes the debt ceiling fight. Democrats are convinced... They have a silver bullet. Well, in this case, a platinum bullet. There are actually some Democratic economists on the far left and Democratic activists who believe that the United States Treasury could mint a platinum coin. Just mint a platinum coin. And, and for this matter, it doesn't even have to be platinum. Although they go with platinum because it's a more rare metal, rarer than gold and silver, but say one coin. You know what a silver dollar is? Have you ever seen a real silver dollar? I spoke at an event one time 
in Las Vegas. Had to pay my way out there. I was working uh, when I was the editor of Red State. Uh, or it's Freedom Fest. I've been out there a couple of times. I was actually out there last year speaking. But years ago when I went, I spoke on stage as a keynote speaker. And the payment was a platinum, or not a platinum, a silver coin, silver dollar. And, and kind of the, the method of the madness was the, the dollar, it's valued as a dollar, but it cost $15 to make. It's kind of a symbol of government waste. The American silver dollar is priced at a dollar by the Treasury Department, but it makes takes $15 worth of silver to make. Democrats have decided make a platinum coin, just like the silver dollar, make it the size of the silver dollar, and give it the value of a trillion dollars. Why not make it $10 trillion? This one coin, make it a, a, a trillion-dollar coin, say this lump of platinum with the Lady Liberty on it or whatever they put on it is worth a trillion dollars and deposit it into the treasury and your debt ceiling is solved. Now, mainstream economists and the Biden administration say, no, that's insane. Uh, One, it would probably provoke mass inflation, but two, it would also cause all sorts of other problems and is probably unconstitutional. Uh, so they're now trying to find another silver bullet because the platinum bullet is been dismissed. They need another bullet. And time and time again, they try these things. They, they come up with ideas. Because they want to solve the problem. They want to solve it the easiest, most creative way. And they hit on ideas that are unconstitutional or implausible or will not work to solve the problem. The reason the Democrats want this silver bullet in the debt ceiling is because they do not have to want to negotiate with the Republicans. To the extent that they realize the Republicans have them over a barrel is the extent to which they're coming up with all these silver bullet ideas. The latest is the 14th Amendment. Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave. But all such debts, obligations, and claims shall be held illegal and void. The first part of Section 4 of the 14th Amendment is where they're hanging their hat now. The validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services and suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. And they're looking at that and they're saying, this is the ticket. That should mean the president can continue getting us into debt without congressional authorization. Now, never mind the immediate next section of the 14th Amendment says the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. Not the president, but the Congress. But they've hit on this. And they've decided this is their ticket around negotiating with Republicans, which tells you just how bad a position they're in on the debt ceiling fight that this is where they've come to. 
This provision of the 14th Amendment, all it says is that the United States can't abscond from its debts. The Constitution itself makes that clear, the the full faith and credit clause of the United States, that the Congress will honor the obligations and the federal government will not default on its debt. You do not want to default. We are bound by law to pay our debts, but that does not mean that we have to incur other debts, and that's the point of the debt ceiling. What the debt ceiling does is Congress says, we're going to raise the amount of debt you can take out. We're already at $31 trillion. They want to go higher and higher. There used to be no debt ceiling. Congress stepped into the 60s and did this, and now they're convinced that they should use this provision to bypass negotiating with Congress. Every single time there has been a party in the White House different from a party in Congress, the debt ceiling has been negotiated. The only times the debt ceiling has been risen cleanly with no negotiation is when the same party holds the Congress and the White House together. The Democrats don't want to have to negotiate. The Democrats think that there's no reason that this must be a clean debt ceiling increase. And the Republicans have said absolutely not. No way in hell. And Democrats, as I have said ad nauseum at this point, really thought the Republicans would not be able to put together a plan. They really did miscalculate. The Democrats really bungled this. It's hard to overstate just how badly the Democrats have played their hand on this, convinced that they alone could do this, and the Republicans would buckle and go along with it. My buddy Chip Roy was with Dana Bash yesterday on CNN. You definitely have uh, your your sort of line in the sand when it comes to the negotiating. I remember back the last time this was this kind of debate, um, part of the reason why the then speaker, John Boehner, had trouble is because he didn't have a lot of running room, and he had a much bigger majority than Speaker McCarthy does now. People in the Freedom Caucus, uh, like you, your, your, your sort of predecessors, I, I guess, uh, did not want much negotiation. But you're saying that you're okay with him negotiating. Well, of course he can negotiate, right? That's what you would do in good faith. But again, your starting position is what we've sent, and, and the president has to respond. Uh, Speaker McCarthy has not and should not start trading off of what we've already done. I mean, look, we sat down at the table. We said, we're going to do what we've never really done. The vast majority of us have not voted to raise the debt ceiling. Our constituents didn't send us to Washington to raise the debt ceiling. We sent over cuts that are in this year, mostly in Washington. They usually put cuts in the out years. And it saves $5 trillion over 10 years, a trillion in year one. And sure, you can debate some of them, but it's something that would put us on a path to fiscal responsibility. And to say that it shouldn't be a part of a debt ceiling fight conflicts with everything the president has ever stood for. He said it as a senator in 84. He said it as a senator in 94. In 2011, he negotiated a deal as the vice president of the United States. So he's done it in the past. He's got to stop listening to his far left advisors in the White House and get back to the Joe Biden that recognizes that you have to sit down with people who just won the election, a Republican House of Representatives. Amen. I mean, we did just go through this election. We did have an election. The dynamics in Washington changed. Nancy Pelosi is no longer Speaker of the House. So Biden has to negotiate. And instead, the Democrats want to fantasize about 
platinum coins and the 14th Amendment. They will fantasize until it's too late and they will be put in a corner. The debt ceiling is going to be raised. They're not not going to do it. It may be painful before they do it, but they're not not going to do it. Everybody, all sides agree they're going to do it. The question is at what cost to the Democrats? It's going to come in the form of cuts, probably those 87,000 IRS agents, among other things. That's just the reality of Washington. You've got divided government. That means you've got to negotiate. And these people are willful fools if they think that they're going to find some sort of silver bullet. Every side in politics, as long as I've been around, has tried to find a silver bullet. To this day, not a single one of them has been able to find a silver bullet. Instead, you got to actually go through the motions and the processes of governance and governing to get your way. you got to negotiate and compromise. There aren't silver bullets. They're the thing of mythology, of myths, of legend, of werewolves, and there aren't any of those in Washington, just predators. Now, got to tell you about Patriot Mobile, a cell phone provider, my cell phone provider. They could be your cell phone provider as well, and you will get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses, but where they're different is they take a portion of their profits and they give it to the causes you care about on the right, the uh, conservative causes, the First Amendment, or the Second Amendment, the pro-life cause, conservative candidates running for office against the wokes. They do a great job of this. In fact, so much so, they got a target on their back. Now the left has been attacking them for being too effective. You can help them be more effective. Just take your bi- cell phone business to them. Again, they use the same cell towers you're probably already using. The phone number to call them is um, 972-PATRIOT, 877-972-PATRIOT, or you can go online, patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. In fact, you can see uh, they've got an address box. You put in your home address, they'll zoom straight into your house, show you how good the 5G, the data, the voice, everything is. patriotmobile.com slash Eric is the website. Uh, 877-972-PATRIOT is the phone number. If you want to reach out to them, call them, tell them I sent you. I'm sorry, not 877, just 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, that's right. Uh, So call them at 972-PATRIOT, tell them I sent you. Get free activation with my name. You'll get great discounts if you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, or go online, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson here, 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Chris, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Hey, this is Hi Chris there. in Atlanta. Yeah, hey, what's yeah. going on? So uh, I'm a private commodities trader. So people have a misconception that platinum is a pr- precious metal. It's not. It's mostly an industrial metal used in the production of catalytic converters. So just like its cousin, palladium. So that's why when I first heard this a couple of months ago about people trying to make it this billion-dollar coin, because it's like silver. No, no, not billion, but trillion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah they uh, they want to make it a so trillion dollar no coin. In no way is platinum anything like silver in the way that the United Kingdom uses silver as their currency. You know how they call the British uh, currency sterling? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, in no way is platinum anything like silver in that respect. The majority of its use on planet Earth is for catalytic converters. So huh. I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, you know, you know I'm glad to know that because I, I, I knew it's not technically as, as, as uncommon to find as, as gold, for example. But, I mean, when it's talked about in, in jewelry and the like, it, it's always treated as, as kind of this 
rare along the lines of silver and gold and platinum, that platinum was actually uh, more expensive than gold or some such. Although I, now that you're, you're talking to me, I'm, I'm looking online and nope, it's not. But it, that's really fascinating. Yes. Uh, you, I found out the hard way actually before COVID hit. You see, I was thinking the same way, that because it does trade with the price of silver, that it was somewhat like a precious metal. It's not. It's industrial. So when the Chinese cut all that automobile production, when they shut their factories down, the price mm-hmm. of platinum just zeroed out. I mean, it dropped 300 points. That's really fascinating so, to learn. Yeah. So so basically what you're telling me is since my wife's not privy to our conversation because we save our marriage by her not listening, uh, I can go still buy her <laughs> platinum jewelry on cheap and she'll think I'm getting her something better than gold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Chris, I gotta let you go there. Um, okay. I got, I gotta, I gotta jump out and, and do this ad. But yes, go, go buy your wife platinum jewelry, folks. She'll have no idea. <laughs> Chris won't tell her. Um, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. 